This is the official Waukee Community School District podcast, Talk the Walk, presented by Unity Point Health Des Moines. This is Talk the Walk, the official podcast of the Waukee Community School District presented by Unity Point Health Des Moines. My name is A.J. Ellingson, Communications Manager for the Waukee School District, and our guest today is Superintendent of Waukee Schools, Dr. Brad Buck. Dr. Buck, how are you doing today? I'm doing well and ready to uh, dig into this important topic. I appreciate this this time of yours. So the topic for most of this conversation is we'll get into, we'll focus on school vouchers. But first, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We're almost mid-April, and that means this school year is almost done. What, what are some of the, your favorite moments so far this year? Oh, yeah. So favorite moments from the year, one of them would be the uh, new tradition they started at Northwest High School. So they had donuts with seniors at sunrise on that first mm-hmm. day of school. So they had a just kind of a cool shared experience as a new tradition uh, Waukee Northwest. We've had lots of success uh, academically, athletically, activities, etc. It's just, yeah, it's been a good year. But a fun year too. That, that I remember that sunrise and they were talking about donuts. I was like, man, I got a perfect day for it too. It wasn't oh, windy, it was. which is uh, almost a miracle at Northwest. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so when we get into the 2022 school year, there have been a lot of polarizing topics discussed at lengths and variety of levels. Uh, school vouchers is currently atop that list. Uh, it's important to understand exactly kind of what they are and how they impact public schools. So from from your standpoint, school vouchers are blank. Yeah, so uh, vouchers are really anytime something occurs where we're taking public funding, funding to pay for private schooling. And so uh, we use an inclusive term like vouchers. It's interesting in the current session, uh, they're actually education savings accounts. And so they exist, if, uh, if they come into existence, a family would be able to access them uh, either for private school or homeschool for educational purposes. And so uh, they act a little bit different maybe conceptually than when you think of vouchers, uh, except that they, they work the exact same way, which is to uh, allow public funds to be used for uh, private education or homeschool. There's a lot of common words that we've heard um, throughout all levels of this, this discussion. Um, so I think we'll just tackle a couple of these words and then let you uh, define them and, def- uh, and how they impact us. Uh, the first is competition. Yeah, so one of the things uh, we hear a lot is uh, how competition is a good thing. And generally speaking, uh, competition uh, is a good thing and, and would welcome competition. I think the concern as it relates to uh, education savings accounts or vouchers is that it's not a uh, it's not a level playing field. So there are a number of laws and requirements, guidelines, uh, accreditation um, standards, et cetera, that apply to public schools that don't apply to either uh, private schools or uh, those involved in homeschooling. So when we say you know uh, we're, we're going to compete, and you know are the public schools concerned about uh, competition from another source. We're not concerned about competition from another source. What we would be saying is, uh, what would it look like to be on an even playing field? So we take uh, all students, and so what we know is uh, in Iowa we have an increasingly um, uh, an increasingly diverse population, especially as it relates to uh, socioeconomic status, and that's often defined as uh, federal poverty levels. and And we know that when you serve kids. Uh, who disproportionately come from poverty, that they're disproportionately represented in having more complex uh, needs as they enter into, into school. And so from a competitive standpoint, uh, not required to take all kids and not playing from anywhere near the same rule book as public schools, uh, on its surface, it's one of those things, competition sounds like sort of American ideal, right? 
Um, but when you get down, sort of start to pick down underneath it, you recognize it's really not competition at all in sort of the general fair play sense. The second word, uh, transparency. Yeah, so we're hearing a lot about transparency right now uh, with uh, parent bill of rights bills that are uh, floating around there in the legislature. And uh, would want to be clear on this too, uh, public schools, we're, we're very transparent and we have expectations around transparency. Um, uh, we have a locally elected board. Uh, we have a board meeting coming up here. Uh, we'll have all of our bills out there. We'll have any curriculum we were going to post on there. I, there's, I mean, we just go on and on about the level of transparency that uh, public schools are, are, um, live under. Uh, as you think about private schools, uh, there's no requirement for that same level of transparency. So um, when I think of these new concepts of parent and bill of rights that are in the legislature, I wonder if it needs to be thought of more broadly as a taxpayer's bill of rights, so uh, including our parents and families. So if, if a, uh, an organization, whether it's a private school or homeschool, <coughs> excuse me, accepts um, public dollars, then I think a reasonable expectation that they would be under all of the transparency laws that apply to public schools. So really trying to say, yeah, we appreciate transparency and would expect the same for anybody that uses uh, public funding for private schools. I think the third word probably combines both of those two uh, is accountability. Yeah, so the accountability portion, uh, again, want to be clear, all these words on their surface make sense and are valuable to us, you know, competition, transparency, accountability. Uh, we welcome and appreciate accountability. I think one of the worries that we see with this education savings account law is it says things like this in the legislation. The DE can't place, exert authority or create rules that would be an undue burden to uh, uh, private schools or homeschool. Um, they also, uh, all of the, the accountability laws in terms of accreditation don't necessarily apply. Uh, they don't even necessarily have accrediting bodies, or if they do, they're accrediting bodies that aren't under the authority of the Iowa Department of Education. So there's just, um, I don't want to beat up too much on our friends because uh, one of the things that's been clear through this whole conversation, we, we agree that there need to be a variety of options for families. The issue is using public funds to pay for those if there's not transparency, accountability, uh, and differently defined competition in doing so. And I feel like um, Waukee is already doing all three of those uh, and leading the way in some cases. So it's really not adding anything to what is already happening in our doors every single day. Yeah, so we would, uh, a lot of the things I'm describing here are things that we've done for a long time at public schools, including uh, in Waukee. Uh, the difference, the nuance here is, and, and one of the things I would suggest is, if we are going to provide uh, public money for private use like this, anywhere in the law where there's a requirement for public schools, there probably needs to be a comma that says, and publicly funded charters, comma, and um, uh, private, any, any organization that's accepting education savings accounts or vouchers. So uh, that would really get at... Um, equivalent expectations for something we do all the time. So in February, the Waukee School Board discussed and then approved a resolution that says, and I'll, I'll read it right from the resolution, the board in consultation with its community has determined that the Iowa legislature should not enact voucher programs regardless of branding and should continue to promote and fully invest in Iowa's public schools. Dr. Buck, I know you didn't vote on the resolution, but you were at the table and very active in the dialogue as it happened. Uh, what was your takeaway from that meeting and then what impact should people be surprised really 
probably not, that a public school is deeply rooted in public education. Yeah, so uh, stepping out there and just reinforcing our stance, which is public schools matter, 90-some percent of students in Iowa, 10 public schools in Iowa. Uh, One of the things that was in there that we wanted to make sure was uh, amplified was concerns related to funding. So if you're following the conversation, uh, there's many that are saying, well, they're going to get about $5,000 of the 7,400, we can thumb wrestle over the exact numbers, uh, that would otherwise go to a student. So it's not going to draw funding away. Uh, It's actually a good deal for the private schools, and it's a good deal for the public because there's some money remaining. Um, Where that gets a little bit um, hinky is when you start to look at kindergartners uh, are able to access this money. So if you're applying that logic, that 5,000, 7,000 logic to kids who are in public schools who are now going to go to private schools, which is a portion of it, yeah, that that doesn't impact the funding directly. Uh, uh, however, when you start to have the kindergarten view, now you're talking about kids that would have likely never been in public schools, or if they were going to be in public schools, that money is all now being funneled to private schools. So there is a there is a near-term sort of acute impact on budgeting for schools, and then a longer-term and uh, far more chronic impact on on, on uh, the funding of public schools. So, uh, from the outside, um, it is not tied into the conversation as much as you are. It seems like school vouchers have become a, a partisan topic of conversation. Then we add the smaller wrinkle to public and private schools. Um, the middle ground is is there really probably isn't one. So, how does that impact your conversation? Have you felt that um, on anything that you've been involved in with the last uh, on this topic? Yeah, so that's that's probably, uh, unfortunately, that's probably where people are. They're sort of uh, public schools, public funds for public schools, or uh, this idea that we could start to use public money for private. Um, and, you know, there there isn't a ton of great middle ground. One conceptual idea might be publicly funded charters because they tend to have more accountability than private schools, but <clears throat> not the same potential as, um, but, but I don't hear people talking about privately funded or publicly funded charters. It's really kind of one side of the coin or the other. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Talk the Walk podcast. We'll be back with Superintendent of Waukee Schools, Dr. Brad Buck, in just a moment. But first, a, a word with our official sponsor, Unity Point Health Des Moines. I'm here with Dr. Patricia Newland, Regional Vice President and Medical Director with Unity Point Clinic Central Iowa. Dr. Newland, figuring out where to go for care can sometimes be a little tricky. Do you have any advice? I sure do. I would say start with your regular primary care doctor. If you need a physical, they're surely going to get you on their schedule. Sometimes if you have a sick visit or an injury, if they can't fit you in, we have other choices too. Right here in Waukee is Unity Point Clinic Express. This is a great place to get efficient um, and very safe care by some of our best providers. Um, They can get you in and out uh, relatively quickly and are able to um, take care of things such as a sore throat or a sprained ankle. Maybe you have a funny rash. These are things that get our life off track but can easily be addressed here at WAP in Waukee um, at the Unity Point Clinic Express. Dr. Patricia Newland, Regional Vice President and Medical Director with Unity Point Clinic Central Iowa. We are back on Talk the Walk with Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Brad Buck. All right, so let's play out both sides of this scenario. If the school voucher bill is passed, how do you see it impacting our schools? And then have are there other states where we can look at to see examples of, of what could happen? Yeah, so in, in our district, uh, because of our growth, 
if we were to lose some families, <coughs> excuse me, to private schools or homeschooling underneath this, uh, it may impact the rate of our growth. But because we grow a significant amount, it wouldn't um, it wouldn't put us in a deficit position like it may other school districts that aren't growing. Um, so that's uh, that's probably a real concern, especially for others and. Uh, for most rural districts, they don't have an opportunity to access this. So when you see a funding shift that could occur from this, it may disproportionately impact rural schools, even though they may not immediately feel it. And then if the school voucher bill does not pass, um, is it just business as normal and, and next fall we keep on going the way we are? Yeah, so it's uh, business as, as usual. And hopefully uh, we can get to the point where we can get into some more robust conversations about uh, greater in, in increases in supplemental student aid, which is the lifeblood of, of schools. Okay, so there's a reason this topic has been front and center uh, for the last month, and you could argue for the last couple of years. Um, we mentioned that 95-plus student of Iowa students are in public schools, uh, but there are a lot of community members that are also impacted by what happens in our buildings uh, each and every day. So who all that would this impact beyond just the students and teachers in our, in our building? Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of the broader conversation about, uh, public education is the fabric of society. So when you think about, uh, the role that public education pays the institution that it is, um, uh, when kids are there, they have an opportunity to learn uh, from one another and hear different perspectives. Um, one of the things I worry about is, when, uh, when students aren't interacting in their community and interacting with their peers. So the concept of uh, the banker's child is going to school with the, um, the butcher's child is going to school with the, you know, fill in the blank, all of these varied in different perspectives. And so um, there's less of that that happens when there's an, a heavier emphasis on private schools. And I would argue uh, ends up in balkanization and that balkanization uh, has the potential to lead to even more uh, polarization in our society. And uh, one of the things we also know is over time, uh, if these are implemented, it does impact communities long term. So one of the best examples is um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin was one of the first places to have a voucher program. You know, you can buy, you know, a rose by any other name. And, um, you know, 25 or so years later, that may not be the exact right number, uh, it's one of the most segregated large uh, communities in, in our country. So uh, just worry that over time it starts to change uh, communities, change the fabric uh, of society. And, and uh, I just, there's just a really important role that, that public schools play beyond the important role we have uh, front and center, which is educating kids, but also uh, melding and molding uh, society uh, from a larger perspective. I know this is a question that pops up uh, in your inbox quite a bit. Uh, community members wondering what they can do, how they can help, where, where they can share their beliefs. Uh, your answer. Yeah. So right now the legislature, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a Senate bill out there that has passed that basically brings about these, these uh, uh, education savings accounts. Uh, the House has not taken those up. So if you have your House members in particular, if you'd continue to, if, if you believe in this idea that, uh, public money is for public schools. Um, we would encourage you to reach out to your legislature or legislators and let them know that that's, uh, that's where you stand. We appreciate your time, Dr. Buck. Thank you very much for being here. That's a wrap for the Talk the Walk podcast. A thank you to our sponsor, Unity Point Health Des Moines. We'll be back with another episode of the District Podcast in just a few weeks. 
Thanks for listening to Talk the Walk, the official podcast of the Waukee Community School District, presented by Unity Point Health, Des Moines.